Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to The Spilled Tea. Your place for the latest on pop culture, entertainment news, and LGBT issues. Now, here are your hosts. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of The Spilled Tea. I am your host, Emmy Morgan. And for real, this time, I'm waiting for Joe. He's going to be here. Um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm at my sister's house babysitting her adorable, well-behaved kids. And I just don't want to leave. I literally don't want to leave. These kids are so good. Um, the house is nice quiet. Yeah, I kind of don't want to leave, but of course I have to. I'll leave later on this um, this afternoon, um, but yeah, just um, chilling this weekend. It's a relaxing weekend. You guys might hear my nephew or my niece in the background. Um, he's playing VR, which is virtual reality, where you have the goggles and the um, finger controllers, and she's playing, oh gosh, Xbox with her cousin. So you might hear some noises. I apologize, but they're kids. They're in their house. What are they supposed to do? Um, but yeah, this weekend was was nice. I've been here since Friday night, and it's just so strange, even for like, just the weekend, being responsible for three little humans and and a dog and a cat. <laughs> and, you know, making sure they're... Um, my sister is a type A personality, just like me. So she had a whole list of things for us to do. And, of course, I followed the list exactly. But it was just cool that... Um, hey, Joe. Hello. I was just going over my weekend. I'm at my sister. Do you remember Janie? Um, that was like my best friend in high school. Uh, yeah, she I think I remember Jamie. Hill with me. Oh. <laughs> Everybody remembers Janie slash Gomes. Yes. Yeah. Um, she like really became my sister growing up, and her family became my family. And so I went to birthday parties. I went to funerals. I went to weddings. I was in Jamie's wedding as a bride, uh, as a um, groomsman. And I told her that she has to get married again now so that I can be a bride. (laughs) Um, Yeah. She's like, "Uh, why are you rushing my relationship? I'm like, stop thinking about yourself. Think about me. So, um, but yeah, I'm at her sister's house and it's just so nice because I was just telling everybody it's like quiet and the kids are well behaved and it's just 
I've never been a parent before. And I, I understand this is a being here weekend isn't parenting, obviously, but taking care of three humans and making sure they're uh, well fed, making sure they're entertained, making sure they're happy, making sure everything is just holy crap. I, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting chest run. <laughs> well, I mean, this isn't the first time I've this actually this is the first time I've slept over and watched them. But with Jamie's kids, I mean, I watched her kids all the time. Like, yeah. So I don't know. It just felt different this time. Maybe it's because it's three. I don't know. But they're really good kids. Like, really good. And the only thing I'm, I know, right? The only thing I'm mad at is I wanted to spend more time in my sister's gazebo because she has this gazebo and it's just so relaxing and calming. And I wanted to spend more time there, but I didn't. I spent a little bit of time, but but that's about it. But the the big thing that happened this weekend to me was I got my second vaccination. Um, Yay, congrats. Thank you. Fully vaccinated. Um, Immediately I had a headache, like immediately. And then I was tired. So I came here, I took two Tylenol, and I took a four-hour nap. And anybody that knows me knows I am not a napper. But that nap was amazing. And then I woke up waited two more hours, and then took two more Tylenol. So I've been taking Tylenol because uh, my sister, who's a nurse, said that um, Tylenol will help the symptoms. The last time I got my vaccination, I had the same exact symptoms, although it was worse, but that's because I didn't take any Tylenol. Um, But, yeah, I've done the Tylenol this morning. Um, Yeah, I feel good. I feel good. Feels good, good to be fully vaccinated. Um, have you been vaccinated yet? So I, and let me also preface this by saying, I understand that everyone has their own personal views on vaccination. Uh, of course. I am scheduled, yeah, and I'm scheduled to uh, get my first dose on May 3rd. It was the first opportunity that I had to uh, get in there. I was so excited. Wow. Uh, and I literally had it, you know, like two and a half months ago. I had COVID. So mm-hmm. technically, oh. I, I know people, the, the, the prevailing theory is that people have um, antibodies for at least 90 days mm-hmm. and potentially much, much longer. And I just mm-hmm. don't, I don't, I don't care about that. I care about getting vaccinated. Like, that's yeah, cool that I, I may or may not have antibodies, and I would have to go mm-hmm. get tested to find out, like, how much. But you know what? Let me get my vaccine, and then I don't have to think mm-hmm. about it at all. Right. I um, I really wanted the vaccine so bad. And then May, uh, March 23rd, when they opened to everybody, for a week, I was, like, going everywhere online to try to get vaccinated. Finally, I actually went to CVS.com, and they do vaccines there. And I had to wait until, and just a tip for everybody, if you go to CVS's website, um, you can even do it on your app. If you wait until after midnight, they open up appointments. 
And they force you to make two appointments right away. So my first vaccine was April 3rd. My second was this past Saturday. And I got the yeah. appointment right away. I did it on a Monday. Um, and boom, just like that, midnight, I got my two appointments. And I did do Pfizer for both of them. I, you don't get a, um, an option, which, I mean, the only option that you get is to choose what day and to choose what location. And different yeah. locations have different, you know, medicines. So, um, yeah, but, yeah, I, I'm pretty if you good do, with If you Pfizer. do have a preference, if you do mm-hmm. have a preference, yeah. and you go onto the mass.gov website for the COVID vaccine, mm-hmm. you can figure out where those locations actually are. Like, I right. actually chose Pfizer, um, so I'm going to this place in Danvers that I know has it. Mm-hmm. Dang, Danvers? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Take, oh wait, that's right. Shot. You're not in Western Mass. <laughs> I forgot. That's right. You're in you're in Eastern Mass. That's right. It's closer. But yeah, I'm I'm glad that I can I'm vaccinated. Um, there is a friend of ours, Joe, from high school, Kim. She has been since last year. We've been trying to coordinate dinner because I know you've seen her dinner post. I know you've seen her dinner post. You, myself, and a couple, like literally a couple others need to go to her house for dinner. Like we just. I'm down. Okay, cool. Um, Speaking of the vaccine, I had to inform Joe (laughs) that there are people who have chosen not to vaccinate, which is fine. You know, if you don't want to vaccinate, that's fine. That's up to you. That's your choice. Um, They've taken it a little too far. (laughs) <laughs> what I mean by that is they're wearing the star of David to represent them um, being vaccinated, non-vaccinated because they feel like this is like the Holocaust. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> the, the shocking thing to me is that I don't know how anyone who mm, – who understands what the Holocaust means to Jewish people, Mm -hmm. um, what the Holocaust represents in terms of Mm -hmm. some of the darkest periods of our history, you know, just as human beings. um, I, you know, I I have to say that taking Mm -hmm. that as, as, as the, the attempt to try to draw some type of public support or try Mm -hmm. to, you know, get whatever gains some notoriety is, it, it's a terrible idea, but it's also, it, it's, it's insulting. It's insulting to people that have mm-hmm. family members and have, you know, experienced it firsthand, um, you know, because there are still plenty of survivors, not plenty, but there's still survivors of the Holocaust. Imagine seeing someone wearing that because they don't want to get a mm-hmm. vaccine and, and, and recognizing that, you know, you've got a, you've got a number emblazoned on your arm, tattooed on your arm or, um, you know, you, you've uh, you've got you know family and parents and grandparents that you've lost um, to the Holocaust, and um, you know, and this jackass is running around with uh, with a, a star of David, uh, pretending like that. It somehow equates. Um, I would be tr- I would be tremendously insulted, and it's I mean it's laughable, mm-hmm. but um, and I don't necessarily subscribe to the well. If you know, if you don't feel like getting the vaccine, you shouldn't. I think everyone should get the vaccine. Does that mean everyone's going yeah. to agree? No, I don't think so. But um, please, for public support, 
for, um, you know, for, for these really, you know, I guess in, in my, in my opinion, they're, um, they're unnecessary and unreasonable, um, reasons for not mm-hmm. getting the vaccine. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's sad. And, um, and this is just a, a, a ploy to get some, some clicks, clickbait. And the people that are doing this don't understand a couple things. Number one, they don't understand that the people that, like myself that are fully vaccinated are now, we might get a different strand of the virus because you're not vaccinated and you don't care to be. And you're probably not going to wear your mask. So here I am wearing my mask, doing everything I can. I'm still going to wear my mask with social distancing all that jazz, even though I'm fully vaccinated. But the other people that aren't, I mean, like, this is kind of dangerous. Um, I do have to agree with you then. I take back my statement. Yes, people should be. There are certain things in this world that are uh, black and white, yes and no. Vaccination, you've convinced me. That's a that's a bright answer. That's, that's a right or wrong answer. There's no gray in there. Um, Another thing that these people don't understand is, first of all, they're Trump supporters, obviously, but Trump has gotten his vaccine. So the person telling you it's a hoax has already been vaccinated. So what are you doing? Like, I don't get it. I'm so confused right now. But, but this, is, this, so ties into the, this ties into the, to the overall theme of you know, you're not going to tell us how to live our lives, and this is why we voted mm-hmm. for Trump at the beginning because we feel our rights are, as Americans are being stripped, and um, mm-hmm. you know that's why Trump is more of a symptom as opposed to the actual problem. Um, mm-hmm. the, the the crazy thing is, getting vaccinated is probably something that will allow you to have more freedoms. Um, mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, just the sheer fact that you have the choice of whether you can or cannot get the vaccine mm-hmm. or whether you have to read it, just the sheer fact that you have that choice is is the freedom that you're talking about. And right. couple that with the fact that if you're comparing it to the Holocaust where people didn't have a choice of whether to get on a train mm-hmm. or to, to a concentration camp, that is incredibly insensitive. Um it's just it's yeah. it's one of those things that just boggles my mind. And who thought of this idea? <laughs> I, I don't. I know. don't know. I, I, I'm baffled, baffled that you would. No one's getting murdered because they're anti-vaxxers. No one's getting put into camps because they're anti-vaxxers. So I'm confused yeah. about the comparison. I really am. I. I don't know what they were thinking. Uh, not, not only that, but you don't get reparations for being an anti-vaxxer. I just, it's beyond me. It's beyond yeah. me, the things that come out of some people's mouths. Um, before we get too deep into this, how was your um, time away? Oh, man, that was so good. I saw every day I see new pictures. I'm like, how many pictures does this guy take? <laughs> so, so that's one of one of the things that like is 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 a hallmark of almost anywhere I go is I love to you know I love to take pictures I love to mm-hmm. you know whatever the scenery is I'd love to try to capture it or at least capture some essence of it in a photograph 
And a lot of times, I don't care where I am. I'm like, I have my camera with me because I'm just so, mm-hmm. I'm just like so excited to like see a place or to be in a place. And a picture doesn't do it justice, but it helps. Mm-hmm. It helps as a reminder. Um, but it, the trip was amazing. I mean, we started off with a couple of days in Sedona or I think three or four days in Sedona. Then we went to the Grand Canyon. Then we went to Horseshoe Bend and up through Monument Valley, up to Moab, Arches National Park, which is just breathtaking. Um, and then down to, you know, it was like, it was like each one got a little bit better. We went to Bryce after that and Bryce was ridiculous. Um, and then we went to Zion National Park uh, before heading back to Vegas and flying back. And nice. it was it was awesome. It was fun. Hmm. I I think Zero it's complaint. so important. I was just I was just telling my sister this. Um, you know, I asked her how are how are you guys doing? You know, because her and her husband went away, and she's like, you know, it's so good. And I said, you know, I'm not married. I get that. But I feel like part of marriage that people don't talk about is reconnecting with each other. People don't talk about that. People don't talk about the time you spend reconnecting with each other, going on dates, going on weekend trips together. Those things are just as important in a marriage as the paying the bills, as the buying the house and raising kids. And I think a lot of people forget that and don't even talk about it. So... Well, it's, it's it's the habits. You know, we, we, mm-hmm. we are creatures of habit in general, mm-hmm. and we settle into these routines that are very habit-driven. And sometimes you lose sight of those things which are most important, which is, you know, the human connection. Human connection with, you know, whether it's your partner, whether it's with your children, whether it's with your friends. It's, the human connection is the most, uh, to me, the most important thing about, you know, the, the short time that we have on this planet. And... um you know that's that that's it's great to 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 be able to go on trips or to be able to do those things but if if you're able to do them with somebody that you know that is also able to enjoy that with you and you know just it it's it strengthens that connection that you have um you know that's just you know it's it's one of those things that's incredibly rewarding. And like you said, it, it does go unnoticed in a lot of situations, which is probably why mm-hmm. so many people get divorced. <laughs> mm-hmm. You need um, that, that time alone. Like, and if anything, I've noticed with quarantine, especially with quarantine last year, three things have happened in relationships. One, people have broken up because it's like this is a lot of time spent together. Two, people have gotten closer than ever before. Or three, there's a baby popping out of that chick. And it's it's literally those three scenarios that I've seen. And it's been crazy. Some of the people that have broken up where I'm like, wow, I thought they were so solid. And I think it's so important to do the things that you guys did, that my sister did. Do it, you know, just do it. Yeah. Well, I also uh-huh. encourage anyone anyone with the opportunity to try to get out to, mm-hmm. you know, to see our country. If you're from the West Coast, come and see the East Coast. It's completely different. Yep. If you're from the East Coast, you know, go see the West Coast. Go see the Southwest. I mean, those are things that um, we take for granted as Americans. Mm-hmm. 
and especially right now okay. where travel is much more limited, but at least there's some available. And if you go out and get vaccinated, vaccinated, it certainly, certainly helps to uh, to open some doors. Yeah. But you know, we have a fantastic, beautiful country that mm-hmm. I feel like people really should t- should explore if they have the opportunity. Really try to get out there, and it's not expensive to get into you know to go to national parks and stuff like that and drive around. Um, maybe expensive to fly in certain places, but take advantage, get out there. Yeah, do a road trip then. Even like, yeah. you know, especially right now with spring coming, I mean, that is perfect time to do it. Spring and fall yeah. are the best times to see this country, especially New yeah. England. New England is gorgeous in the fall, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, so, and all the tulips and are coming up so in so Boston. Yeah, oh, they are. <gasps> yeah, this is the week. Nice. nice. And the thing about um, traveling right now, like Joe had mentioned, it's definitely restrictive, but that is a plus because that means you're not going to go to New York and be like elbow to elbow with someone. You can see the ground when you I'm. I've been traumatized by that my whole life. I went to New York for the first time years and years ago, and I just couldn't see the sidewalk to step down. And I'm, there's yeah. so many people, and I'm, like, having, like, a mini panic attack. So I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to fall in the street and die from a cab hitting me. So, But that didn't happen, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, thank goodness. But this is the perfect time to travel. Instead of the seats, in, on planes being full to capacity, there's like, I think it's what thirty percent or something like that. I can't remember. No, no. How, I know like the most airlines. Have, what? Most airlines have have beefed it back up. They beefed it back up to almost full capacity. Mm. It's not full. But even that, it's, I mean, it's the safest place because their airflow mm. in an airplane is ridiculously good. That's true. I just like the separation. I'm the type of person, like, I'm not, like, I don't know. I, I Like, in movie theaters, I hate when people sit right next to me. It's a completely empty theater. Why are you sitting next to me? Can you just please, like, sit a little bit away from me? But right now, movie theaters, if you buy one ticket, the, the two seats next to you, or however many seats you buy, let's say you buy four tickets all in a row, the two seats on the, the ends, are blocked off, so that's great for fans. I love that. I love that. <laughs> hmm Me too. Me too. There have been some idiots in, in the Boston area, because my friend told me, the people bought their tickets and then decided that they were going to move closer, so they sat in those unavailable seats, and my friend went off on them. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Let's talk about something that I needed your education on. I really need your education on this. Um, African-American reparations. Can you please explain how we're going to be able to pay that and not put ourselves, our country, in debt? Not that that should really matter for the good show other times, but go ahead. my, My broader perspective on anything that the U.S. government does to pay for anything is that it's largely a giant shell game. Um, mm-hmm. Money from one place to another, and uh, you won't okay. see it, you won't know about it. 
Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's, you know, largely how things get funded in general anyway, you know, through mm-hmm. budget appropriations and moving money from, you know, whatever they, they can claim that it has multiple purposes for, you know, this mm-hmm. money for that's supposedly earmarked for defense is, you know, you can use it for X, Y, or Z. So there's there's ways to move money around. Um, the the um. problem is, and this is what my humble opinion is, there may be this push to try to provide reparations, but I think they missed the window. The window was Why maybe after that? 68. Well, because after 68 with the Civil Rights Movement and the Civil Rights Act mm-hmm. being in full effect, I feel like that was probably an appropriate time to try to do it. But now, you know, mm-hmm. here we are 53 years later, and we're still talking about it. Um, it you know, it's been talked about since the Civil War. It, these are... We, we have we have continued to to create this distance from when the act happened, so that I don't know if you're going to get this public groundswell for for support. Now, do I think it's it's necessary? Um, at this point, I think there's so much more than I think reparations is is an oversimplification, but I do think it's something that would help because I think it at least shows that the United States as a country has atoned for their sins. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, is it is it realistically going to happen? I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like it's this has been a topic of discussion for 150 years, and you know, here we are, kind of re, revamping it. But um, I don't know. We'll see if we'll see if it gets the support it needs to actually get some legs. Any type of um, thought process because it's passed through the House now, it just got to go to Congress. That's never happened before, has it? I'm not even sure. I haven't followed it before. So, um, I don't believe any reparations bill for Black Americans has gone through the through the House or the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's again, that's positive that there's enough of a, of a, of a, of support for um, you know for it for it to be able to get to even to this point. Um, so that's promising. Mm-hmm. To me, that's more promising than it's ever been. It makes it much more, right. um, you know, possible for it to happen. But, um, you know, I think that the problem is, is similar to what the Native American community experiences, where you've got this attempt to try to um, put a Band-Aid on a, on a bullet wound and... Mm-hmm look at the the native american communities in this in this country right now and the stuff that they deal with in terms of poverty in terms of rampant mm-hmm. alcoholism and suicide um you know how much of those reparations actually helped i mean that's cool they get it, they mm-hmm. can build casinos and you know and and have these resorts that um rake in tons of of money for tribal elders but what is it really doing for the people that need it the most? And I think that's that's always going to be the question when you talk about how to deal with some of these socioeconomic ills that we have. You can throw a couple bucks at the black community, but what does that do to actually create some kind of, uh, of wholesale change in terms of the socioeconomic um, factors that created these issues that, that continue to affect you know, poor communities, you know, it's not, and it's not just black communities, it's Hispanic communities. It's, it's any mm-hmm. underserved community that you throw them a couple bucks and that's cool. It's, it's, it's nice. It's a nice token gesture, but what does it really do to address the underlying concerns that are creating those, those problems to begin with? 
there are some states that are um, addressing this. Like, they're giving... Ah, oh, I can't even remember. I left all my notes at home. Sorry. Um, they're giving, like, some states are giving home loans to African Americans, which, you know what? I'm all for having an equal playing ground. But I hate the fact that because I'm Black, I have to, I have to feel like I I need to prove myself even more. I hate that. I hate that I have to um, rely on certain things in order to get ahead in life, like help from someone else. I, I really, really hate that. I just wish I could do things just because, you know, like my mom when I was growing up would tell me, you know, you can do anything you want. But... I just, I hate hearing stories where a couple, a black couple gets their home appraised at a certain amount and then they have their white friends do the exact same appraisal for their house and it goes up like $200,000. I hate hearing that stuff. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent. Sorry. Well, and Um, that's my point. My point is that when you're talking about actual generational wealth and the ability Mm. to create generational wealth. If you have Mm -hmm. 150 years between when supposedly black Americans were given their freedom, like, thank you. That's so kind of you to have finally done that and treated us like humans. Mm. And you still for another hundred plus years did not treat us like humans. Mm-hmm. You're talking about generational wealth that was not allowed to accrue, and if you're right. if you're, you know, if you're going to throw some money at the problem, then throw money at where it actually is going to help to boost entire mm-hmm. communities, and and therefore not just black communities, but communities that are underserved. You know, they're, they're, the wealth gap is at its worst because people are living in poverty. They're crime-ridden areas. And the reason why they're crime-ridden is, is because there is no economic opportunity. And it's something that Obama right. was hell-bent on trying to fix. Biden is now saying that that's a big, you know, huge part of his agenda. And, at, you know, unfortunately, a lot of this stuff gets really gets ripped from the pages of of what Congress is trying to get passed or what the House is trying to anything that they're trying to do to, to progress that social mission gets ripped out mm-hmm. every single time we elect a Republican. Yeah. Agreed. I don't know why, because that should be just a that should be an American issue, not a, a Republican or Democratic issue, but that's just me. It really, it really um, stopped after after Nixon. And it was, it was yeah. after Nixon, you know, and, and Nixon, you know, granted the EPA, which was a, a huge, you know, huge change in terms of how we viewed uh, our environment and pollution and all these things. You know, with the with the creation of the EPA, that was probably the last time that you have a Republican that really cared about social issues and cared about how these things impact us as humans. You know, you had. Eisenhower created, you know, a, a, a Republican created probably one of the most, um, you know, important, uh, 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 one of the most important initiatives in our country's history with the interstate highway system and how that connected the entire country. And 
that wasn't just for white Americans. That wasn't, there was no agenda. That wasn't just for wealthy Americans. That was for everybody. It allowed us people to see parts of the country that they couldn't see. It allowed us to expand tourism and commerce across the entire country. I mean, you're talking about that's, that's one of the things that fueled the baby boom and the expansion of, of, of our economy during the 50s and 60s. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they've abandoned that. So. I, I don't get why. Um, I personally feel that this has been such a topic because of one man. Um, I don't believe he sacrificed himself, though. Sorry, Nancy Pelosi, that was the wrong term to say. Um, George Floyd, his death, I think, and seeing his death so publicly on camera and just it wasn't a movie. It was real. I think that changed a lot of people um, and how they view black Americans. Um, a lot of things have happened since he's died. We still have a long way to go. Murdered. He didn't die. Um, we still have a long way to go. But I think that is where the reparation conversation is coming from. The sensitivity that black people um, are now finally getting um, from everybody. But um, how did you feel about the verdict of his killer? What did you, what did you think? Did you see it live actually? I I did. And what did you think Uh, of Derek's reaction? Well, first of all, he's a weird dude. If you, His reaction was not unlike his reaction while he was actually committing the crime to begin with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say it was because I don't think it was indifference in the in the trial when he was killing George Floyd. It was it looked like indifference. He was just kneeling there chilling with his hands in his pocket, almost like like uh, like what are you guys what are you guys filming for? This is no big deal. This is nothing out of the ordinary. Right. Right. In the trial, he it was almost like, are, are they really saying like a white dude can get in trouble as a cop? Like, mm-hmm. are, what are you saying? Is that what you're saying right now? So that was kind mm-hmm. of the impression that I got in the trial. Um, it was 100% the right verdict. Um, I, I think yep. no reasonable person looking at the evidence and looking at that video and listening to the testimony could have come to, uh, to a, any different conclusion unless they were intentionally trying to instigate something. Um, mm-hmm. There's no way that there's no way that anyone could have reached a different conclusion from that if you're a reasonable person. Um, yeah. On all three counts, I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, and they came the biggest... back at a record time because yeah, that, um, that's murder so trials obvious, usually though. take a couple of days to deliberate. They took twelve hours to deliberate, yeah. and everyone was like, "This it is was blatantly obvious." <laughs> yeah. It was. It was blatantly obvious. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So I think I think that was probably the the there was this massive sense of relief that. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, here, here the the justice system is actually working as it is supposed to. Where, regardless mm-hmm. of whatever your role is, if you're a cop, if you're whoever, that you will still be held accountable for your actions. And, yep. um, 
you know, to me, that was somewhat reassuring. The scary part is, is that, you know, there, even since that verdict was rendered, you still have people, police out there killing black people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so when I was watching it, I'd never watched a trial live. I didn't watch O.J. Simpson's trial live, and I'm totally oh, I myself, because I was so angry that he was interrupting my soap operas. And so I was like, oh, yeah. watching this stupid-ass trial. So he interrupted my soap, so I said, fuck him. And um, the thing that I really felt when I was watching him was he, like you said, he did not understand what was going on. He was, like, blinking his eyes, like, wait, did they convict me? Hold on. These people? These people convicted me. I'm a, I'm a white guy. I'm a cop. No, this doesn't happen. I was yeah. holding my breath. Um, the reason I cried is because I thought at first, at first I, I didn't cry. At first I was like holding my breath like, oh, he's just going to get away with it. Like all the other cops before him. And then when they said guilty on the first charge, I was like, oh, oh my God. I cried because it was a sense of relief. I cried because I was worried that the, they would riot again if they didn't yeah. get the, the right reaction and then we would we would be stepping all the way back. I cried because yeah. I was happy for George and his family. Obviously this is not going to replace George, but I just felt like oh finally. And then I also cried because I was scared as to what would happen next. I literally was scared what was going to happen next. And then the next charge, he was guilty, and the next charge. So I just kept crying <laughs> for, like, the whole thing. And then four hours later, I was right. A cop shot a 16-year-old girl. Um, so the scenario with that, I know a lot of people are trying to defend the cop. Here's what happened. 16-year-old girl was at her house, and two girls were coming to her house to bully her. She called the cops, and then she went out and confronted them with a knife. She was about to attack one of them, I guess. There's a picture that she was about to attack one of them. The cop came oh, got out. Oh, there's a video? I only saw the, um, the, the um, what's it called, the, the picture. Um, the cop yeah. came, got out of his car, draw, draw his weapon, and just shot her four times. He didn't shoot her to wound her. He shot her to kill her. He didn't say, stop. He didn't, he didn't do all those things. And I know people are saying, well, he was, she was about to attack somebody. She was defending herself. Yes, I understand that this girl didn't have a weapon. But, number one, you don't know if this girl was about to kill somebody else. Number two, those two girls were not supposed to be there. They were bullying her. And there have been so many other situations. One in Massachusetts where this guy came and he was being arrested. He ended up injuring six cops. He did not die. He lived to tell the story. So for people who say, oh, she should have, you know, not been attacking that girl. No, the cop should have been the one in the situation. This is the thing. 
He was the adult in the situation with a gun. Why the hell didn't he assess the situation and just try to calm it down and de-escalate it? Why? So couple, a couple really, really important things that I, I think add some context to this, and I, I, I hope we'll at least make it at least a more, the most genuine discussion we could possibly have about it. Number one, um, the, the, the attempt to stab the other girl was mm-hmm. literally what prompted the response. The, the, mm-hmm. the, the cop arrived at the scene and he did yell to stop and to put the knife down. The problem is, is that everything happened so quickly, there was no attempt to de-escalate. His first response was not to tase her or to try to restrain her or to try to stop her from stabbing or continue stabbing someone. His first attempt at de-escalation was to shoot to kill. That's not to protect and serve. So... You know, there's there's a whole slew of things that have that that have to be um, that have to be unspooled here. And mm. when police are called to, you know, this, this this girl was a foster child who had been, you know, had 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 a rough go of things, and um, you know was was in a situation where you know she was allegedly being bullied by these two girls. They show up at her house. She calls the police on them. And the police show up supposedly to help her, but when they show up, the only thing that they observe upon arriving is that this girl has a knife and she's trying to stab another girl. They don't mm-hmm. know who's who. So, right. I, you know, I think it's important to add that context to it because I, while I'm not absolving the police the police officer's response because I still don't think, you know, first of all, you're, you're a trained professional. You can't mm-hmm. uh, apprehend somebody who's holding a knife. You can't stop. I mean... People run into these situations all the time where people are armed with knives and worse. I mean, there's people running around with samurai mm-hmm. swords and they apprehend them. So don't tell me that there's not a way to prevent further damage. And the knife she was carrying wasn't like she was carrying a machete or like a, you know, like Jason Voorhees' knife. She was, she was carrying like a, like a little, little, little pocket knife or whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. So you're telling me that you can't apprehend this girl in the time it's going to take her to stab somebody to death? Yeah, she, there's a chance that she may have stabbed the other girl. I agree. And that's certainly not something that we would want anyone to experience being stabbed. But you're telling me that that's the best you can do at de-escalating a situation? If it was a white dude, they would have figured out a way to do it. Because I can tell you I've seen it. You see some dude, this cop yeah, yeah. hanging off the side of some dude's truck as he's speeding away. Mm-hmm. And you're telling me that you've got to shoot somebody in the back because you're trying to serve a warrant in their house. Like there's, there's just so many convenient excuses that justify it when it's killing a black person. But when you're talking Mm -hmm. about white people and they show videos of them doing crazy shit in a cop space, smacking a cop, pushing the cop away, telling a cop to go fuck himself. And Oh, Mm -hmm. but if you just comply, if you're black and you'll be okay, when that's not even true. And the, the real crux of it that really just, like, burns my muffins every single time, somebody had said that they heard the cop stand over her body and say, blue lives matter, too. That part, I just, if it's true, which I don't know if it's true, I, I want to see the video, but 
I just, I, I wanted to have some sort of relief from that Chauvin trial. So that's why I didn't watch the video. Maybe I just shouldn't get my answer. No, I, I, would um, watch it. I would watch it because I think it is very eye-opening. And I think it's one of the things that we really all need to see in order to continue this debate about how mm-hmm. to manage situations where police are interacting with, with the black community, with interacting with anybody in general. Because mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's the, the crazy part. Police should not be so fearful of their own lives that their first response is to shoot somebody. And the community should not be so fearful of interactions with the police that their first reaction is distrust and, you know, and, and uh, you know, f- fighting everything that's, that, uh, that a police officer is saying to them. You know, there should be this harmonious process where people that are paid to protect and serve us feel like they can do their job and we feel like they are doing their job. There needs to be some, and that's why I think the reform question is so important right now because Mm -hmm. not watching that video or not understanding how, how within less than five seconds, this situation escalated to a girl who's being bullied was about to be, was about to stab somebody who was bullying her and a cop only sees this brief moment of the interaction and shoots to kill. You don't shoot four times in that short period of time if you are trying to apprehend or restrain the victim. Mm-hmm. You're, you're shooting the kill. And that's yep. a huge part of the conversation. Reform is like when people were saying defund the, the police, they weren't saying dismantle. They were saying the police are getting $6 billion in budget why are schools only getting 800000 So take some of that billion, put it to schools, put it to some, some other things that, like housing for the homeless. Like we could do so much with that. With yeah, in, increase social services, increase, you know, public outreach, increase socioeconomic opportunity, like all of those things are critical to eliminating crime because crime is certainly something that's based on opportunity. If you don't feel you have opportunity, you're going to go out and commit crimes. It's just the way it works. Desperation feeds into it. It's just you, you, can't, have, you can't have an understanding of why crime exists and then immediately turn it. Uh, on its head and say, you know what we need to do to fight crime instead of investing in the things that create crime. Let's fight. Let's, let's spend more on policing. It is, it's counterintuitive. You still there? Am I muted? I don't know what happened. Are you muted? We lose connection. Let's pause for station identification.
Sorry, I got disconnected. I don't know how, and then it wouldn't let me call in. Yeah. Um, oh, don't know what happened. I was, uh, I was talking to myself for a little bit. Um, to, I was going to start singing, and then I figured that no, you, weren't. you had. I know you were. Yeah, you were not. No, no, no. I, I, I was, I was, I was more worried about your your viewership declining because of that. But um, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that that would be possible. I think it would probably grow from your singing. Um, uh, <laughs> maybe not. The days of uh, seventh grade chorus are long gone. Oh, was that Mrs. Brown? I think it was. It Mrs. sure Brown. was. Yeah, it Mrs. Sure was. Brown rocked. I loved her. Mrs. Brown was the worst. Stop it. How dare you? I'm just kidding. Who's our, Mrs. Trink was the worst. Everyone knows that. Okay, yeah, Mrs. Trink was far better. But I love Mrs. Brown. She was just matter of fact. She was like, no, you're not singing it right. She was very honest. I liked Mrs. Brown. Yeah. yeah. She cut to the chase. I like Mrs. Brown. She did. She did not suffer fools easily. And she didn't put up with shit. Yeah, I she, was a, she was a rough rider. <laughs> she was... <laughs> Okay, anyways, um, one of our final topics before we um, get into movie reviews and all that other stuff. Um, What is going on with the anti-trans bill in sports? Why are people so pressed about this? Like, what is their deal? We have enough to deal with. What What do you care? Who plays in sports with your kid? I don't understand. Your kid doesn't care. Um, right. I, I, I'm kind of of the mindset that live and let live should be the motto that we right. do for pretty much everything. I think I, you know, my last post about, uh, you know, about my trip, I was, I was like, you know, just let people live their lives. Like, who mm. gives a shit? Pardon my friend. I don't. Um, who cares? And I don't know. I totally understand, like, you have, you know, each person has their own viewpoints on what they deem as acceptable, and a lot of that's mm-hmm. really driven by religious, you know, zealotry, whatever, and it's fine. I don't, I don't really care. Like, do your own thing. Don't worry mm-hmm. about what other people are doing. And, and I don't care what sport you're playing. I don't care mm-hmm. what the you know, competitive urgency is. There's, there's no way you're going to tell me that someone who was, you know, has grown up as uh, you know, as, as whatever whatever gender they you know, they they can relate to, you're not going to tell mm-hmm. me that they, they don't deserve to play a sport because right. you can't figure out figure out what box to put them in. Like, that's silly. I just we have other things to worry about. Why is that top of your agenda? You know why it is? I just figured it out as I was thinking about it. They know if they fuel people's hate. It's easier to do that than it is to, let's say, get everybody vaccinated all at the same time and and get everybody on board with um, social distancing and all that other stuff. They think this is the easiest thing to do. The problem is, yes, it's going to go through, but only temporarily. Eventually, someone's going to knock it down, eventually. And you just wasted all that time and energy doing that. So 
Good luck. The Supreme Court will probably end up knocking it down. But there's, right. It's you know, unconstitutional. Ahead. There's certain Sorry. things that have to that have to be put into place in order mm-hmm. to enable. Like for example, and this was the, I was literally talking about my, this with my wife this morning because I was like, oh, here's what we're going to be talking about today, and she said, you know, she was I worry about my daughter being in, a, mm-hmm. in the same locker room as someone, you know, and I don't want her exposed to somebody who's who's changing because that's the locker room they they associate with. I don't want her exposed to someone who has a penis and every, and, you know, everyone in the locker room has a vagina. Like that's very confusing and disoriented. And I'm like, hold on a second. What? First of all, like I remember she's like, don't you remember in the being in the, in the locker room? And I'm like, yeah. And I remember like people were pretty modest in general, but mm-hmm. I don't remember seeing anybody with a vagina in our locker room. And if there was, you wouldn't have known because that person, like, I'll be honest, like, we talked about it before. I was gay in high school. I would change over on the side. I didn't want to change with you guys. Yeah. I, I, I wanted to change over on the side. I felt more comfortable. And every gym teacher was okay with that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean... What, what's more than likely going to happen? I get what your wife is saying. I completely get it. But at the same time, you have to think, trans teens are still awkward. They have pu- they're taking puberty blockers, which is completely reversible if they decide not to transition when they get older. But they're more than likely not going to be changing with the rest of the little girls. They're going to be changing exactly. over on the side because they are still exactly. awkward. Period. Exactly. And you're in the, you're, you're talking, she was like, oh, in, the, in my gym, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I don't know how that would work in my gym because you've got adults. And I said, listen, I go, adults, you're talking about a completely separate argument because if you're mm-hmm. talking about kids, kids who are yeah. hanging out with their own peer group, not just a bunch of randos that they see at the gym, you're talking about right. kids who are with their own peer group are going to mm-hmm. be that much more self-conscious than yep. these windows in a locker room at a gym. So what makes you believe, and I've, I've, you know, I've been in the locker room at, at my gym. I've been in locker rooms. I don't, I don't remember ever seeing a vagina in the locker room. And, right. you know, I've been in locker rooms my whole life. And same vice versa. I go, how many times have you seen a penis in a woman's locker room? It, it just doesn't happen. And the reason why is because trans people are, are extremely sensitive to mm-hmm. how society has been perceiving and treating them, that the last thing that they want to do is make even more of a spectacle or create even more of a problem in a world mm-hmm. that already treats them as pariahs. Why would they? Right. Why would anyone want to to create that kind of uh, of? Out- well, you don't know that. I go. I do know that because I know myself. I have seen these situations happen, and I go. And frankly, I'm going to ask when I get on on the spill tea today. <laughs> I'm going to ask what are the what are the chances that a trans person is just going to walk around without a towel on or without covering themselves in a locker room of the opposite gender? What are the chances that that's going to happen? It doesn't happen with people that are not trans. What makes you think it's going right. to happen because someone is trans? Like, so I'm going to ask that. And she's like, go ahead. Like, All right, well, I personally will not do it. Whether 
I get the surgery or not. I don't feel comfortable. I actually was thinking about going to the gym, but then I was like, crap, if I get sweaty at the gym, then I'm going to have to drive and sweat. I refuse to even take a shower at the gym because I don't feel comfortable doing that either. Um, Yes, when I walk around, people do perceive me as feminine. I get it, but I just, I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel comfortable at all changing in a gym. I barely feel comfortable going into the women's bathroom, but that's only because there's a stall and I'm able to just, like, get my stall. But there's, like, this is so weird. There's, like, this... Oh, there he is. Lucy. Lucy. Yeah, I'm babysitting with the dog. Oh, my God. Love her. But, yeah, I don't feel comfortable at all. So that's the crux of it. Yeah. And um, I, I can't imagine. I can't imagine that there's a lot of people out there that are saying mm-hmm. that I would... I would defiantly like to wander into a, an mm-hmm. area where I know it's going to create this 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 public spectacle. Like, I don't right. think that that's. I don't think anyone, regardless of whether it's it's this conversation or any other conversation, sure. it's, it's there aren't a lot of situations where someone's going to say, "I'm going to defiantly do this because I know it will create a, a reaction." It, it's. <laughs> I don't know. I just it baffles me to hear that these are the types of arguments that people are trying to bring up. And, and while I understand that some of it is based on just America's puritanical views on it, pretty much everything, and modesty and, uh, aside, um, you know, you just you you see these things come into into play where people people are just reacting based on their own preconceived notions without even thinking about the reality of the yeah. situation. And I don't think, just for clarification, I don't think people that oppose it or have questions, actually, no, let me rephrase. I don't think people who have questions or concerns are transphobic either. I get it. You know, being being a parent is hard. And if you're not having those conversations yet with your kid for whatever reason, I get you don't want them to just randomly see it. I get it. Um, but just think about that kid for a minute. Think about being that kid's parent for a minute. And maybe that'll kind of like, yeah, I don't want my kid exposed. But what about that child? They're probably awkward. They're probably going to be, like you say, more modest. Maybe if people just kind of put themselves in the situation as that child's parent, they would see things from a different point of view, and maybe it'll help. That was actually actually almost my response. My response is, well, that's a great attitude to have and a great Mm -hmm. perception to have when you're talking about not wanting to expose your child who's currently six, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to to this experience when they're, you know, 13, 14, 15, whatever, when they reach high school. Okay, Mm -hmm. cool. What happens if it is your child that is Mm -hmm. experiencing that? Because she now associates as he. Then what do you do? Then do you still have this puritanical response when it is your child? 
Do you still want to shield your child from the rest of the world and yeah. the realities of dealing with this trans experience because you feel as a parent you're somehow protecting them? All of a sudden now your, your, your focus shifts onto a, a whole different set of priorities. And that's all I – like that's my, my thought process about it. Like that's cool that that's what you believe or that's how you feel about it. But you also don't understand what it's like on the other side of the coin. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people forget that. They're just, what they should be focusing on the kid. If I was a, a lawyer, he actually went to the House of Representatives in Missouri and he had, he was very staunch, like, no, I trans bills, no. Meanwhile, his kid, his son, wanted to be a girl, period. And he was like, no, no, I don't want you to do that. No, 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 no. And he noticed that his child was completely unhappy. The second that he let his son transition into a girl, he said that the joy came back to her life and he felt like he had a different kid. So... My point is, people don't take stock in things until it affects their household. Once it affects yeah. their household, I'm yeah. not talking about affecting the household where the kid asks questions. I'm talking affects your household directly. When it affects your household directly, suddenly you understand. That's why it's so important for people to just put themselves in that parent situation. But... And, well, and I just—that's the frustrating part—is I don't think that people yeah. want to look at no. the other side of most mm-hmm. of these conversations. And I think that's what mm-hmm. we're just at a point where people are so hell bent on looking at things through a lens of what their belief system is, as opposed mm-hmm. to what the reality of of a situation is and what someone else's experience is. I mean, we yep. all have different experiences. Your belief system, my belief system, everyone's belief systems are all different. We all have different things that have created these belief systems, whether it's religion or our community that we grew up in or our friends that we were around. There's so many different variables that create our belief system, but there's one thing that is common and that we all have our own experiences, and those are unique. So why can't we look look at it through the same lens? I don't know. I have no idea. People are much more eager to keep things the way that they are as opposed to change their own mindset because then it requires, oh, education, more thought, just a lot of work to change. But Humility. <laughs> yeah, humility. Um, Shock G passed away. He was only 57. Oh. I am so upset about this. He... Like, you and I both grew up in the 90s. We did not know how to do the Humpty Dance, and we didn't understand what it meant at first when we were kids. But (laughs) it was so, like, he made our childhood. Let's just say that. Digital Underground was amazing. I'm just, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. The the Humpty Dance was like a staple Mm -hmm. at the birthday house. And rightfully so. Um, (laughs) 
it has no. been a staple ever since. What, what in the world? At every wedding and every <laughs> every possible um, opportunity to play. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. we're talking about, like, Digital Underground, one of those, like, foundational, you know, groups that you – you recognize now just like how much these mm-hmm. things mean. And it's just so, it's so crazy yep. to think about. Like I was a huge, I, I know I always talk about like the fact that like public enemy was my, was my shit. Like it, my mm-hmm. stuff. Um, loved, loved me some public enemies, loved NWA. Um, mm-hmm. But digital underground was just like this. It was like the fun version of yep. like, what was like serious rap. rap yeah. And, and mm-hmm. then next thing you know, you got Tupac. Tupac. Yep, he came from Digital oh. Underground. Yep, yep. Oh, it, it's just crazy to think about how formative the, that that period of time was in hip hop culture. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's a it's a loss. It's a it's a tremendous loss. <sighs> but I feel like you know these are the things that we uh, we experience now uh, as, as hip hop has come into its its middle age. Is mm-hmm. you start losing. Icons. We're we're at the stage now where we're losing some of those icons and those pioneers of of the real like rise in, in popular hip hop. Um, and it's it sucks. It's sad. DMX. Oh, really that sad. One hurt. That yeah, one hurt. That's what I'm <laughs> and it's so weird because yeah, I don't listen to these people all the time, but it's like they're your cousin. You know that they're going to be around, so you can go to them whenever. And you almost take mm-hmm. them for granted, you know? And I remember watching Straight Outta Compton and seeing Shock G, and I was like, damn, I always thought he was cute without that nose. <laughs> I always thought he was cute without that nose. But um, seeing his story a little bit more, and um, he, was, he was also in the, two, the um, Tupac movie. I just, yep. yeah, I was just shocked. I was shocked really shocked and then there's no it just said he was found dead there was like no like real cause and it's like I I need answers I need answers yeah um movie and TV review what have you seen so far probably nothing I'm gonna give you you a lowdown yep I saw King Kong and uh, Godzilla. What'd you think? Loved it. I loved it. Disagree. Um, my uh, nephew and I on. saw it, and we hated it. Sorry. Tell me why. It felt, okay, the first three movies, Godzilla, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of Monsters, those felt like they could really happen. The special effects, the acting, everything. The, some of the lines they said felt so real. This movie felt like, what the hell is going on? This movie, it felt too CGI. It felt, and I know that sounds crazy saying that it's Godzilla and King Kong. It just, we did not connect well with it. We kept saying, is this over yet? So I'm going to tell you, this is, this is where like my childhood fandom meets my like adult sensitivities. I remember 
as a kid watching these crazy Godzilla movies that were so tacky mm-hmm. and you got this dude marching around in a Godzilla suit, you've got a yeah. dude marching around in the Mecha Godzilla suit, and you've got these like people with ropes flinging this like Rodan around. Like it was yeah. it was crazy the shit the yeah. stuff that they used to do to make these movies. And like when they retell this story now and they have the ability Mm -hmm. to use CGI and they have the ability to make special effects that you don't have to have some weird, weird dude marching around in a suit. I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the retelling because I think, I think, because I think that's what made the movie to me more endearing was that nostalgic lens of Man, this Mecha Godzilla is like actually a robot now, whereas before they had some dude marching around in this like weird robot suit. I mean, if you look up the pictures of Mecha Godzilla from the originals, it's hysterical. Mm. It's, it's just hysterical, and that's that's to me like that's what made it. You knew where it was going. Mm-hmm. You knew where that the movie was going, and they were going to bring all this stuff back. But that to me was like really cool how it was. It's just the the irony of like how they managed to turn CG into something that was at least far more believable on camera than you know storyline aside and going into Hollow Earth and all that stuff. Like storyline yeah. aside, it, it was just cool to see like how they made that play out with you know with what they originally tried to tell with some dude in like a you know bunch of tin cans. The best part of the stereotypical Godzilla was my husband, Alexander Skarsgård. I did not know he was going to be in that movie. I was so proud of him. He didn't tell me he did this movie. I was very excited to see him get a paycheck. Um, I, I was so bored with this movie. So bored, Joe. We're going to have to agree to disagree because I... I like the fight scenes. Like, I mean, poor Tokyo is destroyed now, but um, Hong I Kong, Hong Kong. Oh, sorry, Hong Kong. Sorry, sorry. Um, but they did some of the things that I didn't want them to do. Like, they did the stereotypical, gotcha! Like, don't do that. That, that no, don't do that. Um, yeah, don't do that. Um, you know what was crazy to me? I don't want to spoiler alert it, but you know what's crazy to me as they're as as they're like destroying Hong Kong, right? And there's like yeah. this initial wave of like, you know, Kong, you know, Kong and and Godzilla, they're, they're like destroying Hong Kong, and they, they really did. Like, <laughs> and you got like like people freaking out and running like in the mm-hmm. original, but then like. You spool forward like a little bit, and Mecha Godzilla comes out, and then you, and people are still running. Like you still got yeah. people that are hanging out in the city. Like, oh shit, now it's about to get real. Like, dude, hmm. <laughs> a giant, a giant like alligator thing with, with with blue energy coming out, and a giant gorilla were just destroying Hong Kong. You're still hanging around. Like, what are you still doing here? <laughs> And that didn't happen in the other three movies. That's what was upsetting to us. The other three movies were very smart, and people were smart, and even the people running were smart. These people were dumb, and I'm just like, no, I don't... Mm. 
Mm. I feel like that was an homage. I feel like that was an homage to the originals. If, if I'm being honest, but yeah, I know. <laughs> Go ahead. I interrupted you. You were saying another movie that you saw. Oh, um, so I'm I'm uh, I'm going to see Mortal Kombat. Okay. I'm I'm I, again very nostalgic uh, yep. viewing opportunity for me. Yep. It might be complete garbage. It, it 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 probably will be, but you know what? I'm gonna love every second of it because it's probably gonna be entertaining and there's gonna be great fighting, and that's all I really care about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. I did see it with my nephew yesterday, and it was absolutely phenomenal. I love oh, yeah. the story. I love the acting. Um, phenomenal. If you look it up, the only thing I'm going to tell you, and if you can look it up so it's not like a big surprise, they didn't rip out someone's spine. Everything else they did a homage to. Everything. Oh, it was so good. Like, I'm going to watch it again, probably. It was so good. And I expected, just like you, I'm like, oh, God, I saw that last Godzilla movie. This is going to be great. This was so... My nephew and I were like, oh, my God, we cannot wait for a sequel. Because they set it up for a sequel. I just... Yeah. We loved it. We loved it. We loved it. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. I'd be surprised if you didn't like it. The storyline, the acting... This, the, like, it was very, one thing we both said, because he's like, wait, 2011, he's 12 this year. No, he's going to be 13 this year. We were like, this is the goriest movie we've ever seen. He goes, but it is Mortal Kombat. I go, you're right, Tyler, you're right. It was very gross. Very gross. I love it. I love it. That was, yeah, uh, no, fine ripping. I'm sorry. That was the greatest thing about the game itself. Yeah. Is that, you know, Street know. Fighter 2, you've got, like, these people fighting Tekken, you got these people fighting. But in Mortal Kombat, you mm-hmm. were tearing people's arms off. You yep. were pulling people's spines out. You were shooting yep. them with the, you know, with the rope and, and, and you know, it was, mm-hmm. it was freeze, freezing them and smashing them into a million pieces. Yep. It was just so been crazy in comparison to other video games, and it really is what I, I think one of those games that sparked like the outcry about violence in video games. But it was so fun to play. Except for that one thing, this was so faithful to the video game. I'm telling you right now, you are going to love it. I loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah. What other movie did you see? Anything or TV show? Um, so, what else did we watch? We watched Unorthodox on Netflix. Never heard of it. And, um, Unorthodox, have you seen it? Nope, never even heard of it. So, it's a, it's a four-part, like, little short series, and it, it delves into the, um, the Orthodox Jew... Uh, community oh. in Williams, Williamsburg, New York, and yeah. like very, very strict Jewish culture, very, 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 very um, uh, tight knit Jewish community that um, you know pretty much. I, I don't want to say operates on an island because technically that is true. I think, but um, mm-hmm. but the fact that they um, they have such a tight knit community and really don't don't. I don't want to say they don't participate in 
like the American culture to the extent that um, that other you know other Americans do. It's it's mm-hmm. very very tight closed off community, and it it's a really intriguing story. Um, mm-hmm. That I I didn't know if I was gonna like it or not, but it actually was pretty decent. Interesting. I'm gonna check yeah. it out. Yeah, I don't um, want to give away too much, but basically, you know, this this woman who is um, a young woman in the Orthodox community, um, she she like escapes. Mm-hmm. And then, so of course, she's mar- she's married to um, she's married to. Uh, one of the the males in the in the community, and then it's like this mission to go and like retrieve her. Of course, while she's like while she's like finding herself and figuring herself out. So it's 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 really it's an interesting look, especially if you're not familiar with with that community and how Orthodox Jews have you know have kind of their um their community set up and and the um I, I feel like it's a, a solid representation, um, but some of it is like it's shocking because you don't, you don't realize the religious practices that, that happen there and how different they mm-hmm. are from other religious practices that may be more mainstream. And it's, it's kind of shocking. Wow. I'll leave it at that. Um, I saw a four part series. It was called secret of the whales. on <laughs> <laughs> Disney plus. A little bit different from unorthodox. Um, On what? What did you say? I said, all right. (laughs) Yeah. My uh, niece, it started off all four of us, but then, like, the younger ones decided that they wanted to do something else. My older niece and I (laughs) committed. We committed, and we learned so much about orcas and beluga whales and narwhals and it was so good so good and even if you aren't like into whales and whales is your favorite animal watch it anyway you'll just be so interested in seeing like the circle of life and like the things that they there was one of them i want to say it was the beluga when you had when they had the baby they would travel what was it, like 3,000 miles? The mom would travel 3,000 miles, have the baby, and then travel back. And the mom's not eating that whole time. And she's just nursing her baby the whole time. And then um, there were other, what was that whale? Oh, the sperm whale. They would go to a certain place and meet up, but they weren't from the same family. So it was like a high school reunion every year. And then they would hunt together and hang out, and then they would leave and go back to their pods. And it's just so weird how they know how to do this stuff. And then it was the um, there was one oh there was one whale I can't remember that would just like knew where to hunt and how to hunt. Oh, the orca. The orca would teach like the grandmother of the orca of the baby orca would teach the younger ones how to hunt. And if they didn't learn how to hunt at a certain age, that family might starve. It was just so amazing. I couldn't wow. even, like, we were glued. For, it was, like, 50 minutes each four-hour episode, and we just watched all of them. It was so good. Um, highly recommend. Yeah. Disney Plus. So 
Yeah. Avery, I'm talking about the um, Secret of the Whale oh, that we watched. Right. Yeah, sorry. She just walked by, so I figured it out. <laughs> um, and then we watched The Greatest Showman, which is one of my favorite musicals what? of all time. That was her thing. <laughs> and <laughs> the day before, she made fried Oreos, and she listened to the whole soundtrack. And the funny part is, she started the soundtrack when she started cooking, and she thing. And um, yesterday we watched it. I know, that's what she said. She's like, oh my God, that was perfect timing. And then we watched it yesterday, and it was just, oh, it was, we were singing every single song. Of course, I don't sing very well, so it was nice that I was not being judged uh, by my singing skills. <laughs> but have you seen that one? I have not, but it's, I mean, it's on Disney Plus, so why not? Yeah, it's so good, Joe. I don't I, I, even so know. Only... Go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't even know they were into musicals at this house, but apparently they saw it one day and then they love it. So I, oh, I heard. I heard Hugh Jackman is absolutely outstanding. Yeah, he is. He's amazing. Yeah. Anything um, else? You so I've been. Yeah, I've been fixated on finishing. Um, uh, and I haven't seen the last episode, but I've been watching um, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yep. Um, which, you know, I thought was pretty good. And mm-hmm. I had to play catch up with literally the entire season, the last season of The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, I, gave up I, that show. Mm-hmm. I was faithful it. to that show. And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden, I, for some reason, I stopped watching it. But then I got I got caught up this season. And because mm-hmm. it's in preparation for the final season, I'm mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what's going to happen because this is something that has been, you know, it's like a story that has been unspooled over all these years. And it's like mm-hmm. it, it, seeing how they're going to close it off. I'm interested on how they're going to do it because there there's there's a there's a lot that has happened and a lot of characters that have been lost and um, mm-hmm. and I'm interested to see how they wrap it up knowing what you know what what an innovative show it started off as and then it kind of mm-hmm. turned into a cliche and then it had moments yeah, you know of brilliance and and I'm just intrigued to see where they go with it. The last thing I saw was tons of people firing all these shots at Negan and he was unfazed. He was and I was like I'm done. I stopped watching after that episode. <laughs> I'm not even joking with you. I was so enraged that this skinny guy did not get clipped once. He didn't get a bullet wound. He didn't get, like, uh, grazed on the shoulder. Nothing. And I'm just like, I'm done. This is unrealistic. I'm done. That is what made it unrealistic for me, by the way. (laughs) Stupid. Guy's bulletproof. Yeah. Um, The only other thing that I watched was Mrs. Winterborn. I watched it this this morning. First Mm -hmm. of all, what an amazing movie. I don't care how cliched it is. I loved every second of it. And it was set in Boston. I totally forgot about that. For all you people that say Ricky Lake, you know, tried to act, honey, she was acting before she became Ricky Lake. You know what I mean? Um, The show was something she did after acting had dried up for her. Um, it was so good. I loved it. Oh, 
I don't want to see it again. Right. But, uh, it was good. It was good. Um, before we go, what was, and I think I know what the answer is going to be. What was your Eva Mendez moment? In the past mm, I, actually have, I actually have two. Oh, I guess I don't know. I know. I know. Going to be. Go ahead. It, it's shocking. It's shocking to hear that. So uh, my Eva Mendez moment was um, the first one was mm-hmm. from our trip. And uh, when we went to the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. there, was, um, there was this massive line to get into the Grand Canyon, just traffic oh, all the way out and into this little town called Tusayan, which is right outside. It's like this little tourist hub on the way into yep. the Grand Canyon. And so we're waiting in this line, waiting in this line, waiting in this line. And I, and I, I had gotten the annual pass for the, um, for the national parks because we knew we were going to be going to a bunch of them. So why not just get it? Cause it just saves you the admission on, on all the parks. So right. we get to the, we finally get up and there's like six different gates to go into mm. um, at the main entrance. And we get to the, one of the gates on the end. And when we get to the gate, uh, I give the, the kid who's, who's running the gate, I give him my annual pass, and he says, okay, I just need your ID. So I give him my ID, and he says, oh, I'm from Massachusetts. Come on. I'm dead serious. And I was like, oh, what that's not. What are the chances that that's the lane I picked? Mm-hmm. So I said, yeah, I think that it's crazy. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually, I'm not, because my ID says I'm from in Eastern Mass. I said, I'm actually, I'm from Western Mass. And he was like, oh, yeah, me too. And I'm like, what? <laughs> no. No. Yeah. So I said, oh, my gosh. He said, um, he said I, I'm from Wilbraham. I'm like, get out. Oh, I grew up in Agamom. I lived in Chicopee my whole life. I'm like, that's, that's right down the road. I'm like, that's crazy. And so he gave us, like, all these little tips and tricks about the Grand Canyon and, like, where to go. And it was just, like, a really cool experience. And I, if, if I had to guess, he's probably very close to my son's age. So I wouldn't be surprised if my son knows who he is. I forgot to get his name. But Ugh. it was such a cool moment that, Aww. you know, you get this random experience with somebody from your hometown, a home area. And, yep. you know, he gives you the hookup, the 413 hookup. You know, we do stick together. The, yeah, we have a couple of, you know, bad apples, but we pretty much stick together when we know that another one of us is out there. It's so crazy how that is, that is. I don't know. It's, it's, weird. A, it's a weird kinship. I don't know. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. It is so weird. How, I don't know. I don't know. Like I've said before, I don't know if we survived some nuclear blast that I don't remember. Uh, we huddled up together, some some alien invasion, but we are like bonded. It is just strange to me, but in a good yeah. way. It's just strange. Yeah. So the second one um, was last uh, last weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uh, my best friend's dad had passed away, mm-hmm. and um, I, I was that. very very close. Very, very yeah. close with him and, and his family. And so um, I went down to New York to visit him and his mom and his, um, a couple of his sisters were there. And it was, it was just a, um, 
it's a really humbling experience because mm-hmm. you realize we're we're getting to the age where death yep. becomes a much more you know we were talking about Normal. shock G and DMX yep yep but now we're we're at the age where you know we start having this increasing frequency uh, of having to deal with death and to deal with all the things that come along with it and, and, and realizing your own, um, you know, your own fragility as a, as a human. And, um, yeah, yeah, your mortality, Mm -hmm. it just, it, yeah, it's just a really humbling experience. And I will tell you that, um, the, probably the most important thing that I took away from that was that the appreciation for life that my friend has as a result mm-hmm. of this, um, and he's dealing with it in his own way. It's a very tough experience. He actually had to go overseas to bury his dad because that's where he passed away. Yeah. And um, it was a very, very powerful experience hearing him talk about it and showing me a video of the burial and stuff like that. It was, um, but his appreciation for life has been like exponentially increased because of it. Yeah. Um, and just seeing that profound response to it was just very, very powerful. And I remember, yeah, well, obviously, I, I know I said it before, but again, I'm sorry for your loss. Um, your friend Thanks. that you're talking about is such a good guy. Like, he was a good guy when we were, um, sorry. He was a good guy when we were um, in high school. So I just really, I, I feel bad. Yeah. But you're right. It's just that time in our lives, in our mid-40s, where we... Um, have to deal with that so yeah 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 um my Eva Mendez moment I know I've said it before but I'm just like so excited um the podcast soap opera that I'm a part of hit number one and has been number one for a while like a couple all season it's been number one basically um, wow. Wow. Congrats. It, it, yeah. And I'm like, it renewed my faith in writing. Um, it's just so, so wonderful. And to find that out and I, I gained a new best friend in Casey, the, um, creator and co-executive producer. I just love him to death. He, uh, obviously, you know, that is. you met him. He's great. I do. Um, he's amazing. <laughs> he's so amazing. We talk literally he's almost rock every day. Star, he was. Yeah, and rock the, funny, the funny part is he called me once and he's like, yeah, I can't finish. I'm, I'm like behind on Young and the Rest of so I'm like, well, maybe if you didn't call me every 45 minutes. Because we talk so much, Joe. It's like ridiculous. Um, yeah. yeah. But I love him. I don't care. Um, he's a great guy. Um, but yeah, that was my Eva Mendez moment, finding that out, being a part of something so groundbreaking and number one, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really happy about that. Um, can I, can, can I say that? Yeah. Can we say the name of the show? Oh, Forever in a Day. It's the podcast. Anywhere you listen to 
podcast, Look Up Forever in a Day. It's your classic soap opera, but on the radio. And it's the most is 30 minutes, and they go by quick. And I'm telling you, something happened in season two that drove viewers, like not viewers, listeners crazy. They were listening by the thousands. And I'm I'm still in shock. I'm still in shock. But yeah, um, this is so stupid. But I'd like to give, <laughs> I like to give a shout out to one of my crushes. Um, his name is Aunt Anstead. Shut up, Joe. His name is Aunt Anstead from um, HGTV. He has had a really hard time, and I follow him on Instagram. He had a really hard time dealing with his divorce. And, like, now he's doing the things that he's, like, he's being silly. He's posting, like, he posts a lot about his son, about all three of his kids, but mostly about his younger son. And it's just so crazy to see how he started off some of his posts, and he was just, like, kind of, like, breakup posting, and you all know what I'm talking about. And now he, like, posted a video where he's dancing. I mean, he's white. He's not going to dance really well. But he tried, and I'm just, like, I love it. I love seeing him, like, (laughs) I don't know. I feel like I know him, and I've never met him. Plus, he's super cute, and he's British. You guys know I like Brits. So... Who's your shout-out, Jeff? My shout-out is to the family of George Floyd. Yeah, good one. Hopefully this is some vindication, um, and it will never replace the life life of um, someone that they love who they lost. And Mm -hmm. um, to me, I, I hope that it offers them some consolation. Um, and I hope that it continues to spark change and continues mm-hmm. to push the conversation towards hopefully getting to, to a better place as, as humans, but as a better place as, a, as Americans so that um, these situations don't continue to happen to anyone mm-hmm. and little black yeah. Americans, um, but to anyone. This is not how we should be. This is not the greatest country in the world if we mm-hmm. don't treat everyone as human beings first and mm-hmm. to make sure that we're all equally protected under the same laws. Yeah. Agreed. Everybody. And that also means that we stop judging other people who are different. You don't understand a trans kid doesn't mean that you should take away their God-given right to have a happy life. And if you have to create a section where they can change so that your daughter isn't affected, then do it. Like, it's fine. The kid will be fine. Your kid will be fine. Don't worry about it. But exactly. Appreciate you as always. Thank you so much for joining. Um, everyone, thanks for listening, and we hope you have a good rest of your Sunday. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. Thanks, thanks as usual for having me on. I always appreciate always. it. Always. You know you're always Always welcome. a good time. It's always a good time. Thanks for educating me. Thanks for listening to my education, everyone. And we will talk to you later. Have a great weekend. Bye. Still thirsty for more tea? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Spilled Tea PC. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Spilled Tea.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.